We are New Song, a Foursquare church in beautiful Colorado Springs. We love Jesus. We love each other. We are family. If you have any questions or prayer requests, you can always visit us simply by going to newsongcs.com. How many know he's still skinny? How many wish you had those jeans? Come on. And I'm not talking his pants. I'm talking those jeans. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. It is such a, it's a holy moment for me to be here. I feel like I'm standing on holy ground uh, because of our relationship, because of the history that I have with his family, this wonderful, phenomenal family called Foursquare that serves the body of Christ throughout the world and is the body of Christ along with others who serve. So this family has been special to me. As a matter of fact, I would say that if it wasn't for this family, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. If it wasn't for the graciousness and open-mindedness of this movement called Foursquare, I wouldn't be standing here today with the context of the testimony that I'm sharing with you. They believed in me in 1986 and said, we want you to be our national youth director. And they didn't know me very well because I'd only been part of the Foursquare family for three and three quarter years before that. I hadn't attended Life Bible College. I hadn't been uh, a son of the, uh, of the tribe in terms of growing up Foursquare. I grew up in Canada. Pentecost, oh, thank you very much. We all know how to spell Canada, C-A-N-A-D-A-A. Okay, and so, and so I uh, grew up in Canada and uh, came into this Foursquare family and, uh, in 1986, uh, in 1983, in, in Portland Foursquare Church with Dr. Alan Hamilton. And then they asked me to be their national youth director. And the cool thing was, is they didn't know what God was going to do, and neither did I, although I had a vision. And so from 86 to 95, God did stuff that we're all still thankful for and what God has done through our family. The largest gatherings in the history of our movement among young people happened during those years. Many of the young people that were young and, and teenagers today are pastoring churches throughout the Foursquare family. So it's an honor to be standing here in this almost Foursquare building. It's a little <laughs> off in terms of dimension. But um, uh, I, I've got wings here. I feel like I'm the fuselage and you, you're my wings, okay? So we're going to fly. We're going to fly here. But uh, it is an honor to be here. And I was speaking to Campus Crusade for Christ this weekend as they gather for their biannual meeting. So I got to minister to about 450 preteens yesterday. And uh, I'll tell you, it was just absolutely awesome just to minister to those young lives. Because my ultimate passion is to reach your kids before they need to be rescued. And to reach a generation before they need to be rescued. That's my passion. I can't help it. Everything that comes out of what I say today will have an impact upon your children. How many receive that? Amen. And upon your grandchildren. But I have a word for the house. I have a word for us as a congregation, for adults, for families, for moms and dads. And we're going to bring that today. But it is cool to be with the Hibdens. The Hibdens are a, uh, well, they're, they're one of those families in Foursquare that um, have been such a big part of what this family Foursquare has done. And it's so cool to be with you and your kids and your daughter. How old is, how old is right now? She is, she's 13 and here she is standing here, sweeter than ever, leading us in worship. Come on, amen. And that was just powerful. And the rest of the kids, it's just, uh, 
I, I just, it, it's just awesome. And that little, that little piece of work running around, uh, I mean, how can, how can you resist that human who just, when he hugs you, you melt you. And it's just, thank you for serving that child, for bringing that child into this family and um, being a, a warrior, a parent who's a warrior. You see, in Scripture, moms and dads are called warriors. And in Scripture, kids are called arrows. And how many want your kids to hit their target? Well, then they need to get closer to your heart before they ever leave your home. And so I declare on every family and grandparent represented here that your kids will get closer to your heart as a bow and an arrow before they ever leave your home. Amen? Do we receive that? I told the young people yesterday, 425 of them or whatever, and screaming, a wonderful, a wonderful time. I said, you know, when I forgave my dad on earth, God became father in heaven. And there's no such thing as a perfect dad. And, uh, but there is a perfect heart towards your children, a heart that says that's where I'm headed. And so I want you to know that if you don't see God as father, it's probably because you have dad issues on earth. And when we let go of the anger or the whatever on earth, God becomes clearer in heaven. He goes from God to dad. He goes from God to father because he's the ultimate Godfather. <laughs> oh, wow. So again, it's an honor to be here. And I told Pastor Stephen, I told him under direction from the Lord that I wanted to come and I refused to receive anything from you numerically in any way, although that is scriptural. The Bible says don't nozzle the ox. Um, gifts come to your church and you, you honor them. But for some reason we've switched it around today and God says I will be honored if I can just please let me come because I want to speak into this home as a man that I've lived with and dealt with and served with for all these years. And so I just want to speak a word into this house, a timely word for where you're going. Because something tells me you're not going to be here in a month from now. Even physically. There's change happening. But in this context is when God gets to brag and show off and be who he is. So I believe there's a spirit of faith. I believe there is a, 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 um, a spirit of, of um, what's the word? It's when you... Uh, well, just a, a confidence for what the future holds for this house. Mm -hmm. There's a confidence on this place. Mm -hmm. And it could be, it could be that the, that the calling uh, to just come and, and serve you without any strings attached would then allow you to receive bigness on your own heart and where, where we're going into the future. Amen? So do we receive that today? I have a word for you, and I'm excited about it. And we're going to read together. It's going to be on the screen, our postmodern stained glass. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so here we are, and we're going to take a look, and I want you to feel free to read with me. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verses uh, 5 to 12. Get ready to receive from the Lord today. And um, let's all read together. Let's begin. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Let's stop there. 
Jesus has just given the disciples the Lord's Prayer, as we call it. They says, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say. And they gave the, he gave the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven. After he had prayed that or said that, he then went into this context. And I don't know about you, but I'm so pumped that it doesn't say anything other than friend up there. You see, there's two kinds of Christians. Christians that are friends of God and those that feel like they're slaves of God. And they both have their context. And I am a slave of the Lord. But the truth is, he's called me friend. And friends, well, let me put it this way. Slaves are task-oriented. Friends are ask-oriented. Okay, so let, I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> slaves are task-oriented. Lord, what do you want me to do? What should I be doing? How should I give? Should I go? How do I raise it? They're task-oriented. But those that are friends of God have this nerve to ask and it shall be given. Let's continue. Would you join me? I won't interrupt us again, okay? And... and and uh, let's start at friend, everybody together. Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to you. Continues. I say to you, when we hit black, say it strong. When we hit black, say it strong. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I believe it continues. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And isn't it beautiful that Jesus ends that with the statement, give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? Because frankly, I don't care what you ask for. What you're going to get is the Holy Spirit who then takes it from there and does the practical things that need to happen. That's why we're a spirit-filled church. That's why we're a spirit-filled people. Because we actually think the best thing we will ever get from God is Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I was with some friends last night that I've known for longer than Pastor Stephen. We traveled together in Living Sound when I was 22 years old. And we met last night for the first time in many decades and I was in their beautiful home up on the mountain. He gave me a ring, Band of Brothers. It was a powerful time last night. 
And we were talking about the fact that God is the source of everything and he's the channel of none of it. God refuses to be the channel because he truly is the source. That's why you need the Holy Spirit because he's the source and he knows how to channel. So don't be looking for channels. Who do I know? Who can I? Who can? Who? who, who I'm going to be a name dropper. Who can I name? <laughs> what you need is the Holy Spirit. And you watch him channel. When God says you're his man, he won't tell you you're his man. He tells his men you're his man or woman. Thought I better just keep it politically correct. Man means human today. Thank you very much. Let's not mess with genders. Now I want y'all to help me. I want y'all to go from the A to the S to the K. Come on. I'm here. I'm only visiting. That's why you can enjoy this. Could you imagine if I was your pastor? Let's move on. I want everyone in the house to go from the A to the S to the K. Let's do it. From the A to the S to the K. I want you to have fun one more time. From the A to the S to the K. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the word, stuff starts popping. And inferences start making themselves apparent. Because when you meditate, God begins to revelate and you end up with a situation that's phenomenal because you're digging into the word. And when I looked at the A to the S to the K, I realized that they are the acronym of what Jesus directs us to do. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Canuck! Come on, we got to keep this straight. Canuck, and the door shall be opened. There's a progression here, folks. And you can test it because you're always supposed to listen to a man of God or a woman of God and then test what they say. But I'm just loving the fact that the scripture says it this way. Ask and it shall be given. Because in the end, everything is a given. You will not earn this through your own works. Everything that comes to you will be a given. And people that have that perspective on life enjoy Thanksgiving. Because they realize everything in the end is a given. Naked came I into this world and naked shall I leave. Your wife, sir, is a given. A given gift from God. Your husband, ma'am, is a given. Given gift from God. Your job is a given. Oh, but I paid for it. I went to school. I get it. But in the end, people that understand the ways of life and the ways of God understand Naked came we, naked go we. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything's a given. But now let's get deeper into it. Ask and it shall be given. The older I get, the more I realize Jesus is not really as much concerned about where he's at as where I'm at. God's never asked the question, I'm wondering if I'm committed. Am I, I'm struggling with commitment right now, saith the Lord. Come on, come on. How many know he is the same somewhere in this place? I found it. It's on the wall. Yesterday, today, and forever. My God has never wondered where he's at. He just kind of wonders where I'm at. It's like the guy that was driving down the road with his wife, and they're driving down the road. It's been 25 years of marriage, and she said to him, she says, honey, don't you remember when we sat so close together and just had our hands on each other's laps? And don't you remember? And he looked at her and says, I haven't moved. <laughs> and she's over by the door, you see? Now, that's not a nice thing to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was the bad illustration. But the point is, is that God is not changing he is the same yesterday today and forever so he's really more concerned about what you want someone say where's that in the bible jesus came to a man who was crying out ask what do you want me to do for you he said to another man it's powerful and it's found in John chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. We don't need to go there on the screens, but listen to these words. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, Jesus said to him, skill testing question, do you want to be made well? Like, really? Because my issue is not me, saith the Lord, but my issue is you. The older I get, the more I realize God's trying to find something to work with. Well, we all know the story of Solomon, don't we? Solomon, after sacrificing 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord, God appeared to him that night. And what did he say? Ask! What shall I give you? And Solomon was a wise asker. I got to be Vintage Johnson. He was a wise asker. Because if you want to get some better, where, where in this life and with God, you better be a wise asker. And I know that's a play on words and I run the risk of losing some of you. Please don't let that happen. But it's fun. It's just a little bit of fun sometimes. It helps me. And it'll help you. Not in a smart alecky way, but here I'm here to tell you something. If God comes to you and says, ask, what shall I give you? You better get wise. Because you're revealed with an open checkbook. Your character, who you are, the motives of your life are revealed with an open ask. 
So what did Solomon say? I need wisdom. God says, bingo. Because you've asked for wisdom, Solomon, I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for. You didn't ask for the heads of your enemies. You didn't ask for fame. You didn't ask for, for, for finances. So let me give you all that. Just include it. Mr. Wise Asker. Because in the end, it's all a given. And when you have a wise heart that says, Jesus, you give me the world, but what I'm asking for is wisdom to know what to do with what you give me. I speak it on this church right now. I declare on you song that this is a wise asking church, that this church is filled with wisdom. And that when God opens up the doors for you, you will have on you as a denomination, I mean, as a, as a church, as a family, and I speak it on our whole denomination, that we will be a wise asking faith that we just come with that kind of a spirit, amen? Because ask will reveal your motive. Ask reveals your mindset. When God says ask, it's all yours. It will reveal your heart. Now, some would say, sounds like a blank check. Sounds like one of them fairy tale religions. Ask and it shall be given. Just ask. We end up being a bunch of irresponsible adults and we wear shirts that say, I can't adult today. <laughs> you can buy that shirt, you know, at the, at the airport. Yeah, you can buy a shirt that says, I'm not adulting today. I just can't adult today. That's a new phrase, you know, in our culture, adulting. People are struggling with being adults. I say it all the time. Kids are getting older, younger, but they're staying younger, longer. How many need some wise? How many want some wise? How many want to humble yourself before God and say, God, I've messed up wisdom. I've messed it up in some areas and I humbly come before you. And if you would open up the windows of heaven, I would ask for wisdom because that would be the source of every other thing that you bring my way. And may I declare to you, it's not too long, it's not too late. Some of you are going, man, it's too late for me. It's not too late. It cannot be too late. But Jesus, being the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting father that he is, didn't just stay with A. He went on to progress and he says, ask and it shall be given seek and you shall find because after your big ask and that's a corporate term just thought I'd share that I don't know where that came out of other than the fact it is a corporate term it's called the big ask it's when you go to venture capitalists and you ask them for money because you got a big vision it's called the big ask but when you come to God with your big dream I guarantee you he's not going to give it to you unless you go from the A to the S and you begin to <coughs> seek deep you see God doesn't you, he may give you he may I'm, I'm telling you right now I think if God gave gave Solomon all the dumb stuff he would have been a dumb ruler. 
but because he was wise. He asked for the wise stuff. And of course, we know he failed in the last years of his life in many regards. We know that. So be encouraged. <laughs> You're in good company. Amen. But let's move on. Seek. And you shall find. There's nothing more rewarding than the joy of discovery. Archaeologists get giddy when they find bones. They get on their hands and their knees and they brush away as they unearth would not have happened without a seeking heart and a seeking hand as they dig for the answer. I remember turning my bedroom into a Bible college when I was 14. Have you ever heard that before? For those of you that have been with me since the earth warmed, okay? <laughs> I talk about that everywhere I go because I spent two hours a day with Jesus every day in my bedroom when I was 14. And I did it when I was 15. And I did it through half of 16. And I came out of 16 with an S on my chest. Spirit man. Sure beats Superman. Because that's humanism personified. You all heard that story about Muhammad Ali's on an airplane and he's getting ready to fly and maybe some of you have heard it, but just bear with me. And, and the flight attendant or the people says, e everyone put your seatbelt on. <laughs> and Muhammad Ali said to, the, said to the flight attendant, he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked at him and says, Superman don't need no airplane. So, there are limits. There are limits to Superman. There are limits to Superman. There are no limits, in a righteous way, to spirit man. As you seek deep, your spirit will grow. And you will become somebody who finds things in God. And you discover them. Now, I'm going to give you the example. Elijah and Elisha. God had spoken to Elisha, and he said to Elisha, Ja, 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 not Sha, Ja. God has spoken to Ja, Elijah, and says, you're done, we're done. So your, your ministry is, we're, we're done for you, that's a great season. Thank you, Elijah. I want you to go anoint a guy named Elisha. And he went out and found this guy plowing the ground with 12 yoke of oxen. How many know that's a seeker? If you're plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, you're a digger. You're a go-getter. You're a let's-seeker kind of guy. So he says to him, he says, hey, the mantle's going to be on you. The Bible says that Elisha took his oxen, sacrificed them, used the altar of the wood of his own um, plows. In other words, there was no turning back and began to follow, come on now, began to follow Elijah. And Elijah was on his way to Bethel, I believe. He was on his way to Bethel. This can be found, for those of you that want to write down the reference, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. He's on his way to Bethel. And on the way to Bethel, he says to Elijah, Shah, 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 stay behind. I'll be back. And Elijah, I'm getting them mixed up, folks, but just work with me. Elijah, Elijah is the first guy. Elisha is the second. Shah says, as long as I live, 
you're not departing from me. And he tried to shake him and he couldn't do it. So he says, well, come with me then. You Shah. And so Shah came with Jah and Jah tried it again. He says, hey, just wait here. I'm going to Jericho. And Elisha says, as my God lives, as my soul lives, you will not come out of my sight. That's paraphrased. But I'm not leaving you. You want me to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you. Because I'm not just an heir. I'm an esser. I'm a seeker. I'm convinced that God's checking you out to see your seeker potential. Well, that's, that's, that's not, I thought it was all free. Oh, come on, grow up. You may be saved and accepted in the beloved, but that doesn't mean you're endorsed. For serving. When they asked me to be the National Youth Director in 1986, all I had to do was rehearse my past as qualification for my present moment. It's called resume. How many wish we could stop at the A? S, and it shall be given. No, God's way too wise for that. He says you gotta go deep. Seek. Seek. He tried to ditch him again. I'm going to another, I'm going to Jordan. And the prophet said, Elisha said, you will not get out of my sight. And at that point, guess what Elijah said to Elisha? Ask! He didn't get that ask until three, three, three diversions. And Elijah said to Elijah, I want twice as much as what's on you. And Elijah says, you're asking a hard thing. But if you see me when I go, it's yours. Guess who saw him when he went? Mr. Not Diverted Three Times. And as he saw him go, the prophet mantle fell, and Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. And the last miracle took place when he was dead because he says, I'm not going without having a double portion. He was dead in a grave. And they threw another guy in the grave, didn't realize he was in there dead. And when the dead guy fell on the bones of the anointed dead guy, the, not, the normal dead guy got up. And Elisha said, well, they're my bones did at that time. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so you got to do the hard things. Hard asking. Wise asking. Hard asking. And let me tell you, if you will see big and go deep, you will be a candidate 
for knocking on doors. And they will open. Doors are going to open. Doors are going to open in relationship. Doors are going to open in associations. Doors will open in new locations for churches. Doors will open. Some will say, where's that in the Bible? I don't have much time, but we'll move quickly. You all know the story of Esther. She was a smart asker. Because she had come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It finally dawned on her. Maybe I'm here because it's not about me. And if it's all about you, then you probably won't even get there. But she knew ultimately it was not about her. It was about saving the Jews from annihilation because Haman hated the Jews. And Mordecai had an I must spirit. Mordecai was the uncle of Esther. Esther now is the queen of the greatest nation on earth. And the king loves her beauty. But she cannot go into the king's presence without his approval beforehand. And if she comes into his presence without prior approval, she could be killed if he doesn't hold out the scepter. Mordecai says to his daughter, or his, his niece, so to speak, he says, honey, there's a guy named Haman who wants to kill all of us because I won't bow down to him and he's made it personal and wants to take out our whole, our whole nation. He wants to get rid of us Jews. It's already an edict. It's already in the works and you might be the only reason that we have hope. And she says, oh, no, no, Haman, don't. Uh, Mordecai, don't wear those. Here, wear these nice clothes. And he's like, wake up, honey. Wake up. This isn't about wardrobe right now. This, this, is, this, is, this is about the kingdom and it's about the kingdom of the God's people and it's not about you. And all of a sudden she came out of denial and she went, okay, self-preservation's out the door. I'm going to go. I'm going to stand before the king without, a, without a, a, an approval. Uh, fast for me for three days. Fast for three days. Everyone fast for three days. And I'm going to go in before the king without an approval and I'm going to, come on somebody, ask! Because you see, she already knew that God had put her in a big place. Ask and it shall be. How many know her position was not because of ointments and oils and because she was fun, cool looking babe. It was ultimately because God had given her. Come on, somebody. Given her. Say it with me. Given her that position. And every position you'll ever know is a given. Don't ever take it as a right. Receive it as a privilege. Don't be an entitlement kind of person. Well, I deserve that. Because that'll mess you up. Ask and it shall be given. Seek. And where does she seek? She says, I'm going to fast for three days. How many know you seek God for three days of fasting and prayer as the queen of the nation? You're going to walk. You're going you're to stand up with a, with a humble confidence that just, I'm going to knock on some doors. 
I'm going to go knock on a door that's not even open to me. And what does she do? That's, that's the Lord calling, by the way. The Bible says, seek, seek me and you shall find me. Or call and I will answer. I think that's it. So she walks in. Here we go quickly. She walks in before the king. Oh, by the way, Haman is just madder than a hornet at this guy named Mordecai who will not bow down to him. Haman has already planned it. He had been to uh, had supper with his wife and family. And he says, you know, this guy Mordecai just really bugs me. I've got all this favor with the king, but this guy won't bow down to me. And that's just messing me up. And his wife says, well, just, just build some gallows for him and, and go into the king. Come on, somebody, go into the king. Go into the king tomorrow and just say, ah, can, I, can I have this guy killed? Oh, what a powerful story. Guess what happened that night? The king couldn't sleep. He got up and he started reading the annals and he read about a man who did something for him that saved his life. Guess who the guy was? Mordecai. 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 My wife is, my daughter has already rebuked me. She's eight years of old, eight years old. And she says, it's Mordecai. It's not Mordecai. Who cares? Let's move on. <laughs> my daughter. I have an eight, eight and a six year old. I'll show you a picture at the end of my family because I have people here that in relationships that you would love to just catch up on that. But I, 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 it's spaghetti. This story is kind of spaghetti because what happens is he has this dream. He, he, or he can't sleep. He reads this. He decides that he wants to do something for Mordecai. Haman is coming in that next morning to ask for the head of Mordecai. And he's ready to say it. And as he walks in, the king beats him to the punch and says, hey, Haman, what should be done for the man who honors me? Oh, Haman is like, he's probably talking about me. Well, I think you should do this. You should do that. Put him on your horse, drag him through, take him to the streets, honor him like crazy. Let me know God's in heaven. Opening and closing doors. Because if you'll A and you'll S, he'll be the guy working those doors. What should be done for the man? And he says, I think you should do this. He says, well, that's wonderful. Do it for Mordecai. Oh, the guy freaks out, has to take him through the streets. Oh, by the way, the day before, he had had lunch with the queen because the king said to the queen as she walked in, come on, help me now, we're almost done. She walks in uninterrupted or un, uninvited, Comes in before the king after three days of seeking. She comes in before the king, and the king looks at her and could have easily says, you're dead. But instead, he says, girl. I didn't even say girl. But, but yeah, he just looked again and said, this is, she, she's just beautiful. Ask! Well, that's what he said. Ask up to half the kingdom. She was a wise, smart asking lady who said let's have lunch because she knew there was a place and a time for every ask don't ask for the farm ask for lunch and God's going to give you that kind of wisdom in the days ahead let's have lunch and the king in the lunch said oh, honey ask, ask what do you want 
She says, um, can we have lunch again tomorrow? Let's have lunch again tomorrow. And Haman, I want you to come too. That was the night that the king couldn't sleep. That was the night. And then they came back. He came back absolutely mortified over what had just taken place, Haman. And he came to this lunch. And the king says, what do you want? And she asked for her people. And the king got mad and says, who set this whole thing up? Him. Haman just went, oh, I'm done. The king got up and went out to the courtyard. He was so mad. She was on the couch. Haman threw himself on the couch. In comes the king. And now you're going to take advantage of the queen. It is comical, folks. It's absolutely tragic comedy. And the minute he did that, they put a black fabric over the man's head. And the word was, hey, he just built some gallows for Mordecai. How about if we just use those ones? Let's be efficient. This is a weird time. I'm near thankful you're living in Colorado Springs in 2017. Come on, somebody. This is when you were born. And they killed him. And the kingdom was saved because of a girl who understood that we must ask with wisdom, ask smartly, and ask according to the doors that God is opening. How many has God spoken to today? I believe that when the Holy Spirit moves, he's, he's broadcasting, I'm broadcasting, Holy Ghost is narrowcasting. And the beautiful thing about that is what I'm saying to everybody means something to somebody. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Roy Hicks Jr. is the one who said that. I broadcast, he narrowcasts. And so you think I'm reading your mail today. I'm not. Because we don't know one another. He's reading your mail. And I declare upon you some that this is an asking church. We ask big, we seek deep, and we knock with confidence. Ask will reveal your motive. Seek will reveal your, I have it here in my notes, your measure. And K will reveal the mission of your life. And the meaning of it. A will, 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 will reveal your motive and your mindset. Seek will reveal your measure. Y'all have a measure. Y'all know we all have a measure. We don't compare measures. We all have a playing field that God's called us to. Don't be messing with somebody else's playing field. And comparing yourselves among yourselves. For this is unwise. It'll mess you up. So know your measure. John Romans 12, 3. Every man has a measure of faith. And knock. It will reveal the meaning of your life and the mission you've been called to. And I, now I declare open doors. Now I declare open doors on you, song. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the open doors that are in the future of this house. 
Lord, you've done many great things here in the past. And in this same room are many great generals of the kingdom. In this room, Lord, I've had the privilege of bringing a word to those that have gone before me, to those that are behind me, and to those that are with me during this season at this stage of life. I now declare that you would heal homes, families, relationships, that every one of us would be a big asker, a deep seeker, and a confident knocker, that we would knock. But only after we've sought you and sought you deeply. That our ask would be wise and not unwise. Lord, I claim this. I declare this upon this house today. As our heads are bowed and maybe a little help on the keyboards or something like that, we could just... Some would say, well, why do, you, why do you play music? Is that manipulation? No, it's a song of deliverance, which is a spiritual phrase. Music drives out demons. Demons hate good music. They hate chords that come together in harmony. Because the devil was once the choir director and he's been demoted. You may be here today and you're saying, man, I'm not, I'm not hooked up. I'm not hooked up with the Lord. I'm not there. And I need to give my life to Christ. You know, it's never a wasted moment when we as a congregation invite those that need to come to Jesus. If you're here today and that's you, as our heads are bowed, can I pray for you right where you're at? And I'll just do something that I do often whenever I minister is I just give you a point of response. I'm going to just count to three. Three is not manipulation. It's just a point of response. And you're saying, I want you to pray with me and we'll pray right where you are. If you're not right with the Lord today, could I pray with you at the count of three? One, two, don't be afraid. Three, raise your hand. Is there anybody? Towards the back, two men. Is there anybody? Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We're going to come into agreement with these brave souls that have raised their hands in the midst of us as a people. And if you will, just keep your hand up. And everybody repeat this after me. If it comes from your heart, it will reach God's heart. Lord Jesus, I've raised my hand in the midst of your people. Today, I want you. I need you. Come and cleanse me from my sin. I receive all you have done for me on the cross. Today, I want to qualify to ask for big things from you. Today, I give you my life. Father, I thank you for this confession of faith that has just been made by a large handful of people. And Lord, I pray that whatever's going on, that they will meet you there as they already have indicated by this raised hand. And Lord, I pray that the possession, that it be, the confession becomes a possession. 
heal lives, Lord Jesus. How many today would say, and thank you for those of you that have raised your hand, you've come to Christ and and God's going to continue to work in your family. He's going to work in your relationships. He's going to work. He's going to work. He's going to work. Because he is the source of all comfort and encouragement. He will channel it through others because that's what he does. Paul the Apostle says, God is the source of all comfort. He comforted and encouraged me through the arrival of Titus. It's a spiritual law. You will never do it alone. But he alone is our source. And now I pray over a new song. Father, as a friend of this house, as a friend of the senior leadership of this house, as a partner in ministry, I declare in Jesus' name that new song is a new song. There, there is a new sound, a new song. It's already been evident, Lord, in the last 10 months. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going from glory to glory. And Lord, you will ask of us things also as we ask of you. You will ask us to trust you, Lord, as we make investments of our time, talent, and treasure into what you have prepared for the future of this house. Bless, Lord Jesus. Bless Stephen and Cynthia as they continue to shepherd the flock of God. I thank you, Lord, for who they are, how they are, and the gifts that they bring and deliver to your body. We love you today, Jesus. And we thank you that you're in this place. Hallelujah. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord today? Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. How many won't look at Luke 11 quite the same way again? Come on. How many won't think of the word ask quite the same way again? Amen. And you'll understand there's three wonderful revelations there.